Check out the Political Truth Apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of Snakes. And more to come. Fun. Fashionable. Edgy. Cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout. Good afternoon, Texas. Good afternoon, America. Good afternoon, the world. Welcome, guys. It is a uh, Friday. Can you believe it's Friday? We still get we still get excited about Friday around here, guys. Do we? I know I do sometimes, but uh, today is Friday, guys. November eighteenth, two thousand twenty-two. It's three p.m. Central Time. I am your host, Mr. C also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis, and you are watching Lone Star State News. Uh, that is Texas-centric news, headlines, current events. And uh, thanks for joining us if you're live with us over at pill.net, uh, Trovo, Odyssey, Clout Hub, uh, Rumble. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Twitch, welcome as well. Thanks for being here, and uh, thanks for being part of the live audience. And uh, if not, thanks for catching this replay. Uh, got some uh, pretty, uh, well, you know, I think I got some, I, actually, I think I have a really good story to cap off today's episode, but you're going to have to wait to the end to that, to get to that, uh, that really good story. Uh, I love finishing, um, I love finishing uh, reports with stories like I have 
for you guys today at the end of the show. So you guys will have to get there. Uh, we also got a little bit of other things to get through to. First of all, at the head of the episode, uh, I need to make a correction and also an apology. Now, you know, since Election Day 2008, and, and make no mistake, though counting has finished in Texas, counting is still taking place in a few places around the nation, right? Those those last few contests where they need to make sure that they get, you know, uh, their establishment candidates in or, or to see if they can actually beat the will of the grassroots that turned out in number, right? Uh, anyhow, it was such a time warp between Tuesday, November 8th up until, uh, even up until, well, today's the 18th. So like what, officially 10 days, right? Or like what, a week and a half after the fact, maybe uh, maybe a little bit more than that. You like such a time warp, you know, and then also with uh, uh, coalescing and also with uh, obtaining and collecting all this dif different various types of data. Um, I think when we got on the air on uh, Monday, it was we did a take back Texas uh, kind of like dig and more so just to inspect what the organization was all of about. Uh, and then uh, that kind of like uh, broke off some of our elections news, which uh, we then uh, sub subsequently followed up on Tuesday. You know, we did we did a Tuesday episode of Lone Star State News this week as well. Um, but the uh, counting that has been going on in Harris County, Texas. Now, just to be sure, uh, because I think on Tuesday and Monday we were talking about that uh, counting. I believe it ended on Sunday, the twelfth. Okay. Um, but the investigations as well as the press conference that was held on Tuesday. Okay. So now you see where it's all kind of coming together, right? Uh, with the wash of information, lack of information, right? At the county level, you go over to the county levels. You, see, you don't see any of the information that you're needing. So you really have to dig deep, 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 deep. And of course, information on the counting of the actual um, um, election and, and, Trust and believe, ladies and gentlemen, as it turns out, even uh, even your um, everyone's favorite county judge, Lena Hidalgo, was caught up in that mix. Her races, too, were also. But, you know, it's interesting because where we're seeing a lot of these delays, as well as where we were seeing a lot of the voter suppression that was occurring and make no make no mistake, America, make no mistake, Texas, you know, particularly if you're joining this broadcast for the first time or, you know, perhaps if this information is uh, uh, only coming available to you for the first time and you've never heard of such things, uh, there was rampant uh, and uh, obvious. It was, it, was, it was to the point of egregious voter suppression that occurred in 2022. It's something I've never seen before in my life, you know, even prior to my years as an active voter in this nation and in this state. Um, I've never seen this type of voter suppression, guys. It was it was uh, it was abominable what we saw. I mean, we had uh, county precincts machines that were not working, shutting down. We had poll places opening late, closing uh, closing early, or staying open later, uh, and then of course uh, all of that is subject to uh, sub subject to court rulings because uh, it is illegal for people to uh, like you know precinct uh, judges, uh, county clerks, uh, even the secretary of state who is the elections official in our tech in our state uh, it's it's illegal for them to change uh, 
election laws and rules. You know, in other words, they can't just say, go ahead and stay open an hour later. No, there's a law that says you close your polls at 7 p.m. And if you don't, it's going to be subject to court ruling. And then everyone else who might have voted at that time, there's going to be questions on those ballots. A lot of that stuff's already happening today. So al along with the disenfranchisement, the voter suppression was the most egregious, abominable, disgusting I have ever witnessed. I never thought I would see such a thing. And it is in those areas, along with, uh, you know, late, uh, late uh, returns on the counting of votes and suppression of the vote, heavily so in conservative areas, we, we're starting to see all these Democrats, or let's just call them establishment, all these establishment types um, filling in the seats, you know, so uh, that was the case with Harris County as well, you know, and then with, and it makes sense with the voter suppression along with uh, you know, the um, along with the uh, extended counting, you know, of whatever they're doing behind closed doors in Harris County, that we would start to see returns that favor the establishment types. Because, you know, I was looking at an article um, that came out during early voting, and maybe I still have it here with you guys, with me guys, but I was looking at an article that came out during early voting, and all across Texas, you had county clerks in heavily blue areas. Uh, that were talking about how the returns were just not what they are used to having, you know. And um, with that in mind, uh, keep uh, it makes sense that we had so many people showing up on election day. The people were aware, the people knew what the score was, and they knew that this early voting was not going to be uh, beneficial towards integrity, honesty, and truth, ladies and gentlemen. Um, here, let me show you this real quick, for example. We're not going to read the article, just so you can see. This was from early voting, guys. So check this out. This article here, uh, this is from, uh, let's see here, uh, WFAA.com, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. Uh, but it says here, uh, they had this article here about early voting here. So uh, this person, I guess, is uh, Michael McCardell, uh, wrote this on November 4th, you know, and he's from Dallas. Okay. Uh, and he says here, um, early voting turnout. Oh, they, he had spoken with um, elections administrators about early voting turnout. So here in Bear County, for example, now that's that's my county of residence, Bear County. Uh, Jacqueline Callahan, Callanen, um, he spoke with her. I, she's been in the election administrator for 17 years here. I think the girl needs a new job, right? Okay. Anyways, uh, so here it says, um, where are they talking about the early voter turnout? I know I saw it here just a minute ago. She's talking about them being in danger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where does she get to the turnout? It's right down here somewhere. Okay. Oh, here we go. So it says, uh, Kalanen says voter registration is up 11.5% over the last few years. So she would expect to see more voters by now. She says, we're not seeing it. We're just not seeing it. We're down about 20% from what we saw in 2018. Can you imagine how much down they were from 2020 or 2021? Because we did have we did have city off we did have city elections in 2021, guys. So uh, or like um, um, bond elections and stuff like that, municipal elections. So um, down 20 percent from 2018, she says. Imagine how stark of a difference that was from uh, later years. 
Uh, she said, even the mail-in ballots are lagging behind. Callanan says they received around 40,000 applications for those ballots, but as of November 1st, they'd only received 21,000 back. And in terms of numbers, Callanan said that they will have 302 vote centers available. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, so Bastrop was seeing the same thing. Bastrop's heavily red. Hidalgo County's down by the border, guys. Um, I'm not sure on how they flipped, but I do have a photograph uh, that I found online of someone uh, wondering whether or not uh, they had trashed and torn up ballots. Oh, God. See, I have to pull this up now that I told that to you guys. So, like, let me let me see if I can find that real quick. And then uh, we'll get into some more news, guys. I got some uh, I got some people I want to introduce you to and a few other things to get this Friday afternoon session of Lone Star State News. Uh, rolling and rolling and rolling along. Okay, let's see. Oops, I'm going down. Let me go up. So let me show you this photograph real quick that I uh, recovered from a Telegram channel. I think it came from the uh, New Mexico Audit Forces Telegram. Uh, those guys are just forever on it. Thank goodness for them. At least we have some people like them in the Southwest alongside with us, right? Okay. Uh, let's see here. So it was uh, a photograph someone had turned in or had, um, given to them or they had procured it from another place, but it was from Hidalgo County. I know that for sure. Photograph shows like a bunch of shredded paper right outside of an election ballot counting center. So uh, they they uh, took the picture as suspect since we have Hidalgo County on the screen. Here it is. Okay. Let me get this up here real quick so you guys can see it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my telegram. I mean, that's my personal telegram on my desktop. Okay. So here it is. Uh, so this was forwarded from D. Schlopes. Now it says here, live from Hidalgo County, Texas, a border town slash corruption headquarters during election day. What are all these piles of shredded documents approximately 100 yards or less from where voting is taking place? When I asked, uh, I was told these shredded materials belong to the county and for me to put my phone away. Whatever it is, it is definitely strange to have piles of shredded documents that look suspicious during an election. Also, I'm almost certain Hidalgo County contracts with with a service. Okay, we'll we'll finish reading that in a sec. So here's that. Look at this guy. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it might be innocent, but uh, individuals were on the ground taking photographs either way. Yeah, I mean... Uh, that really, it could be anything, guys. I mean, it could be anything, but um, better to be safe than sorry, right? So uh, let me see what the rest of this says. Uh, it says here, um, uh, it says, whatever, uh, it says, uh, whatever it is, it definitely looks strange to have piles of shredded documents that look suspicious during an election. Also, I'm almost certain that Hidalgo County contracts with a service that sends a truck to come, shred, and discard of said shredded documents. So uh, I don't know, guys, that could be something that could be nothing, but uh, they had eyes on the ground in Hidalgo too. So anyhow, um, Hidalgo had the same same um, thing going on here. Okay. Uh, Collin County this is another traditionally uh, Republican area. Harris County, obviously that's blue. You know, you're going to have, but even in Harris County, the returns weren't that great. So that's, that's insane, right? Like you would expect like every single, 
You would think everyone in Harris County votes blue, right? You would think that. That's what they want us to believe. But, uh, you know, I would love to see the real face of America. That's all I got to say. I would love to see the real face of America. I bet you she's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, it's just a shame that we don't uh, have the ability to know where we stand in that regard. All right, guys. So let's get into some of today's stories for you lot, ladies and gentlemen. What do I got coming up first? Oh. Well, isn't that a nice little picture of our Texas State House legislator where they go and they legislate rules, right? And laws and regulations and uh, things that will affect our lives forever and a day to come. Um, so uh, what I wanted to do, guys, since we have uh, basically had a conclusion, right? At least in Texas, even though it's not happening. You know, I mean, and guys, uh, just to be real, I mean... Uh, the, the battle's just begun. You guys understand that, right? Of course. All right. Okay. So with that said, uh, let me, I wanted to introduce some people to you all, ladies and gentlemen, for our Texas audience um, and uh, residents. Uh, this might be important to you to know. I'm going to see how well I can track these people and, and some others during uh, this upcoming legislative session. Uh, but we have uh, 17, count them, 17 incoming Republican freshmen, guys. Now, the freshmen, guys, you know, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when you think about freshmen and seniors and all that stuff, you know, you tend to put more faith in the seniors, right? Because they've got seniority experience. Maybe they have some wisdom, right? They might have some know-how. They might know a few tricks. Uh, overall, they're much more mature and they're more understanding, uh, maybe they're a little bit more compassionate with a little bit more empathy. Now, that's generally what you would think about seniors, maybe not high school seniors. But when you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about that level, you know, of a graduation, as it were, uh, you don't look at freshmen with a lot of confidence. Now, isn't it funny that in politics, at least where saving America is concerned, at least where making America great again is concerned, we have to rely on the freshmen. Because most of these freshmen got into office on the merits of uh, of of uh, where they stand, their personal beliefs, and and maybe even some of their personal track track history. But if they're fresh to Congress, they have no bills that we can track to see if they are who they say they are. But incidentally, still the freshmen, you know, if they're seniors in the state house, they're probably corrupt, right? If they're seniors in the state house, they probably know how to make really good deals, right? And uh, be duplicitous. If they're seniors in the state house, they're probably um, they're probably some of the most corrupt individuals because let's let's face it, how did they stay there so long and get nothing done in our state? Right. The same could be said on the federal national level as well. How did you stay in Congress for 30 or 40 years, enrich yourself to the tune of hundreds of millions to billions of dollars, and yet you've accomplished absolutely nothing? And our nation and our state, right, macrocosm to the microcosm, um, is doing no better than it did when you yourself were a freshman. So uh, 17 incoming Republican freshman guys, to me, that sounds good. It's a great number, wouldn't you agree? But um, 17 incoming, incoming freshman Republicans could be uh, just a thing we need to start to uh, take it to these long-sitting, long-standing politicians in our Texas State House. 
So uh, let's take a look at who some... Now, unfortunately, I don't have pictures for all of them, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Actually, I don't have pictures for any of them. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know how long that would take me to uh, finagle all those pictures? So I, um, I uh, pulled this uh, article off the Texas scorecard. The Texas House's 17 incoming Republican freshmen... Just to put a name on these individuals, and uh, in case you are in the state of Texas and you are an audience member of Lone Star State News, uh, maybe we can see if they're in your neck of the woods. So you can start to track them and you can start to, uh, you know, uh, communicate with them, uh, you know, welcome them into your district and let them know you are their constituent and that uh, you will get to know them by a first name basis. And so they will you, because <laughs> that's what it's all about. All right. One of these days, I'm just going to sit in there every single day, right? <laughs> you know what? That's what I'm going to do. During the 80th legislation, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to set up one of those uh, tents in downtown San Antonio since they allow the homeless to sleep on the streets. And then every morning, I'll just report into the state house and sit there for eight hours. <laughs> Why don't the homeless do that? They could sit in there for eight hours and take notes. I mean, do something useful with your life, right? Anyways, okay. That was totally... Uh, that was totally, uh, what do you call it, incompassionate. I apologize. All right. A previous version of the article said there are there were 15, but there are actually 17 with Charles Cunningham winning House District 127 and Carl Tepper winning automatically in House District 84. Wonder what was going on in those districts, right? Here comes that article. As Republicans maintain a majority in the Texas House of 86 to 64, and after a higher than usual turnover due to redistricting, these 17 incoming freshmen will make up more than 15% of Republican legislators in the House. I'm telling you now, guys, if these 15, 17 freshmen, if these 17 freshmen are in your district, get on them, okay? Before, before the lobbyists get to them, before the special interest, if they're not on them already, uh, before they start trying to uh, screw with them and they start trying to uh, um, uh, force them into assimilating into the way the Texas State House does stuff, guys, these 17, these 17 uh, Republican freshmen will either serve a single term because they didn't play by the rules. They didn't play ball. I should say not by the rules. The rules is the law. We are a republic. We respect the rule of law. They did not play ball with the good old boys, the rhinos and the state house. They'll have one term, guys. This is our only shot, guys, with, with 17 fresh bodies in there. This is our one good shot before the next legislative session to try and get some stuff done. And before they get corrupted or they're, uh, they are tempted with corruption, guys. So uh, here they come. We have Angelia Orr in House District 13, or replaces outgoing state representative Ben Lehman, um, who chose not to run for re-election. Now, this was a Republican from Anderson, Texas. I wonder why he chose not to run for re-election. A former district director for state representative Cody Harris of Palestine, or received endorsements from several incumbent lawmakers, the Texas Farm Bureau's Ag Fund and the Texas Realtor, Realtors PAC. Her central campaign message echo rural values such as supporting a pro-family culture, cutting property taxes, improving public education, as well as gun and private property rights. So someone receiving several incumbent lawmakers endorsements, Angelia Orr, might already be a snake in the grass. Stan Jurdis 
In House District 17, Gertis is replacing John Cryer of Lockhart, who chose not to run for re-election. I wonder why he chose not to run for re-election. A former staffer to the then-Texas Governor Rick Perry. Oh, Gertis also worked as a senior advisor for the Trump administration during Perry's tenure as Secretary of Energy. Gertis received endorsements from multiple incumbent lawmakers, Perry, and Democrat-supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Gertis' central campaign messaging suggests he will be a supporter of Texas business and energy. He also promoted basic family values, as well as securing the border and finishing Trump's border wall. I need to get as fluent in Spanish as possible, because that's the only way I'll win in San Antonio. Ellen Troxclair in House District 19, which used to be located in East Texas and served by State Representative James White, Troxclair will serve the newly created district located west of Austin. A former Austin City Councilwoman, oh lord, and a small, okay, wait, 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 wait. Now, I say oh lord because, you know, Austin City Council people have been uh, Marxist, leftist, Democrats for God knows how long, progressives. She might have served on the councilwoman before they got a hold of it, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't sound so like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Because she, you know, she is Republican, but, you know, at the same time, she might have she might have served in the Austin City Council many a moon ago. I don't know much about Ellen Troxclair, but uh, the rest of the um, um, paragraph says here, a former Austin City Councilwoman and small businesswoman, Troxclair received the endorsements of many incumbent lawmakers and organizations such as Texas Right to Life, Young Conservatives of Texas, and Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Troxclair elevated issues such as securing the border and defending families throughout her campaign, as well as lowering property taxes and prohibiting vaccine mandates. Uh, Terry Leo Wilson in House District 23, Leo Wilson is replacing State Representative Mays Middleton of Wallies, Walliesville, who has won a seat in the Texas Senate. So Mays Middleton moving to the Texas Senate from the Texas House. A former member of the Texas State Board of Education, Leah Wilson received the endorsements of many incumbent lawmakers as well as organizations such as Texas Right to Life, Young Conservatives of Texas, and Democrats Supporting Texans for Lawsuit Reform. I need to look these people up because that keeps popping up. And this whole Democrat supporting thing is just, I know there's a hyphen, but it's just throwing me off. Okay. Leo Wilson prioritized fighting back against the Biden administration's leftist agenda by securing the border and banning critical race theory indoctrination in public schools during her campaign, eliminating property tax, enhancing election security, and banning vaccine mandates were also central to Leo Wilson's campaign. All right. Janie Lopez interesting name, in House District 37. Lopez flipped the Rio Grande Valley area seat formerly held by Alex Dominguez of San Antonio after a redistricting moved the boundaries to favor Republicans. A former school board trustee, Lopez received the endorsements of uh, Texas Right to Life and Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Uh, Lopez's campaign highlighted local issues such as corruption, a lack of funding, and transgender indoctrination in public schools. Pro-business, pro-energy, and pro-family policies were also hallmarks of her campaign. Uh, 
Caroline Harris in House District 52. Harris is replacing James Tallarico, Democrat of Round Rock. After the district was redrawn to favor Republicans, a former legislative staffer for State Senate uh, Senator Brian Hughes of Mineola, Harris received the endorsement of Texas Right to Life, Young Conservatives of Texas, and Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Harris' campaign focused on her work for Hughes, highlighting issues such as border security, election integrity, and pro-life and pro-family legislation. All right, before it drives me crazy... Uh, let's see. Texans for lawsuit reform is helping protect Democrats from uh, the pre predicted Republican wave. Okay, what? Okay, so the Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform, who we just saw endorsed many Republicans. Okay, what's up with that? Okay, so here's Don Huffines. Is that that's not Don Huffines? My bad. Okay, <laughs> it almost looked like Don Huffines. Let me just see what this is, guys. I need to snoop this out real quick. I apologize for breaking into our uh, our list of 17 incoming Republican freshmen. Seeing a gubernatorial candidate tank yet again, Texan, Texas Democrats and their out-of-state liberal benefactors are reportedly dumping millions of dollars in attack ads against Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. For the most part, they are recycling the hits first leveled unsuccessfully in the GOP primary by liberal uh, Republican Ava Guzman and paid for by Texans for lawsuit reform. Okay, this is starting to make sense. Who is Ava Guzman, ladies and gentlemen? Ava Guzman used to sit, I believe, on the Supreme Court or the Texas Criminal Court. One of the two, okay? Rhino, 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 rhino. In fact, she stepped down from the bench in order to run against Paxton because they were that desperate. Okay, this is starting to make sense now, guys. Now, what I want to know is why these individuals, uh, I want to know why this um, this pack was endorsing or this, this organization was endorsing Republicans. Okay, I don't know. Maybe this article will explain some more. Let's see. It says here, and let me go to immersive guys, because it's the that, that print is just too small for you to trust my eyes, right? <laughs> so let me go to an immersive. Thank you, Texas Scorecard, for another uh great article. Let's see what they got here. Okay, so it says here. I see, because these are all the inner workings that we need to know, guys. When we're wondering why, why all of a sudden did this person we voted for who sound like they had my values suddenly turn the other way? Oh, maybe it's because they received a lot of money from some Democrat organization called Texans for uh, Lawsuit Reform, right? I mean, that's what, follow the money, right? Okay. Okay, so uh, okay, so Republican Eva Guzman, in cahoots with Texans for Lawsuit Reform, she's a former Supreme Court justice in Texas. I don't know if it was the criminal court, or if it was the civil court, it was either the Supreme Court or the Criminal Court of Appeals, one of the two. But she was on the bench there, guys, and she stepped down to run against Paxton, okay? In the weeks leading up to the March primary, uh, Texas um, TLR, Texas for Lawsuit Reform, uh, their political team assured major donors that Paxton would lose the primary to Guzman, who ended up placing a distant third. <laughs> but even if he won the primary, they claimed he would suffer a massive loss in November against their candidate, who was a uh, human trafficking defend defense lawyer, right? She defended human traffickers. So this Texans for lawsuit reform somehow figured Texans would back up a human trafficking defense lawyer. Uh, 
And if that was not the reason why TLR, Texans for Lawsuit Reform, felt that way, maybe it was because, maybe it was because uh, they knew that the, the system would be rigged. It didn't work. Texans pulled out in vast quantities of numbers. Instead, polling from the University of Texas slash Texas Politics Project released last week finds Paxton leading his Democrat challenger by 14 points. Yep. With Paxton having, yeah, and he won. Okay, so uh, <laughs> enter Rochelle Garza, a trial lawyer affiliated with the far left wing of the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union. She has volunteered to help repeat illegal aliens, avoid deportation, and help human traffickers in legal defense. Yeah, she was never going to win, guys. <laughs> she was never going to win. Okay. So as noted above, the organization spent heavily against Paxton in the March primary, trying to install a liberal Republican as Texas Attorney General. Uh, Texans for Lawsuit Reform's founder, Houston businessman Dick Weekly, has he <laughs> Dick Weekly? You don't you don't you don't say do you, Dick? <laughs> has refused to put the primary in the past or put any of the entity's massive stockpile of cash toward helping Paxton, Weekly told this publication last month before Garza's radical positions were widely known that others can save Paxton. <laughs> Meanwhile, Texans for Lawsuit Reforms is helping save Texas Democrats from the predicted Republican wave. In 2022 election, TLR is a top donor to liberal Democrat Morgan LaMantia, a lawyer running for an open Texas Senate seat in South Texas against Republican Adam Inaosa. The district's boundaries are aligned with a con congressional seat won by Republican Myra Flores in a special election earlier this year, making it a battleground for Democrats. So you know where TLR went? They went to go and unseat Myra Flores and... Um, at least by the machine's count, they were successful. Several years ago, Weekly declared himself and a Texas for Lawsuit Reform to be pro-school choice and set up Texans for Education Reform to fight unsuccessfully for the issue. But in this cycle, their candidate, La Mancha, is supported by the liberal anti-school group, a school choice group, Parent PAC, which is funded by an out-of-state teacher union. Isn't it funny? That in order for parents to uh, be duped into uh, supporting their non-school choice um, efforts, they have to call it parent pack, as if though parents are the ones who created this political action committee. I would not be surprised if Charles Butt, H-E-B grocer, CEO, billionaire, were not to donate a few thousand, hundreds of thousand dollars to this pack. So this way... Um, he can make sure that school districts remain poor, children remain stupid, and uh, the food stamps keep rolling on into his business, you know? So in short, TLR is the number one donor to a liberal trial lawyer Democrat running in an open seat, but is not supporting the incumbent Republican attorney general. I, uh, personally speaking, would not have taken money from them. Um Okay, so uh, at various points in his political history, Weekly has cajoled conservatives to attack Democrats when they could not favor, when they could not, for various ideological reasons, endorse the Republican. Yet Weekly and TLR, having spent several millions attacking Paxton in the GOP primary, have not offered even a tidbit, uh, not, not even a tepid criticism of Rochelle Garza, her radical positions on the border, or her disdain for Texas entrepreneurs and businessmen. It looks more and more like Texans for lawsuit reform is just fine with a Democrat serving as attorney general. Okay, so now we know a little bit about them. Maybe we'll dig into them a little bit more at some point. But I just had to know, guys. 
Okay, so all of these incoming Republican freshmen, okay, uh, were endorsed by Texans for lawsuit reform. Um, you know, just like Charles but of HEB, maybe uh, this Dick Weekly guy, just uh, he's a, he's a political opportunist. He'll support whatever you know, whatever campaigns suit his needs. I would not take money from him, though, if I were running for office. I'm just saying that's just me. Okay, that's just me. Uh, Richard Hayes in House District 57, uh, which was moved from East Texas, where it was represented by Trent Ashby, uh, Republican of Lufkin, uh, to north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Hayes will represent the newly created district. A lawyer, Hayes, received the endorsement of Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. So, you know, I'm going to put a star by all of these Republican freshmen that took this money, right? And it's like all of them did. All 17 of them did or what? So far, okay, Angelia Orr did not, okay? And she's the one that was working for uh, Rhino, okay? So, all right, guys, we've got our work cut out for us in Texas, okay? Let's see, Frederick Frazier, uh, House District 61, Frazier is replacing Phil King, a Republican of Weatherford, who won a seat in the Senate. A policeman, Frazier, received the endorsements of multiple law enforcement unions, many incumbent lawmakers, and Texans for lawsuit reform. Frazier is currently under indictment for impersonating a code compliance officer. And the Dallas Morning News recently reported that Frazier is listed on the Dallas County District Attorney's Brady's List, a list of officers who won't be asked to testify due to integrity issues that would have to be admitted to in court. <laughs> Frazier focused his campaign on funding and protecting schools, creating a pro-business environment and lowering property taxes. Let's see. Uh, Frederick Frazier. So we have two Frasers. Oh, no, wait. Oh, my. Uh, okay. Ben Bumgarner in House District 63. Bumgarner is replacing Tan Parker of uh, Flower Mound, who won a seat in the Senate. A former Flower Mound City Councilman, Bumgarner, received the endorsement of multiple incumbent lawmakers, the Associated Republicans of Texas, and Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Bumgarner prioritized cutting spending and lowering prosper property prosperity taxes. Yeah, no, no uh, prosperity tax, that's called the income tax. Anyways, uh, Bumgarner... Um, prioritized cutting spending and lowering property taxes during his campaign, as well as increasing education funding, protecting Texas energy, and supporting law enforcement. Kronda Timish. In House District 65, Timish is replacing State Representative Michelle Beckley, Democrat of Carrollton. After the district was redrawn to favor Republicans, a small businesswoman and former school board member, Timish received endorsements from multiple incumbent lawmakers, the Associated Republicans of Texas, and Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Timish focused her campaign message on funding education and supporting a pro-business environment. Carrie Isaac in House District 73. Isaac is replacing Kyle Biederman, of Fredericksburg, who chose not to run for re-election, a nonprofit leader and wife of former state representative Jason Isaac. She received endorsements from multiple incumbent lawmakers, Texans, uh, Texas Right to Life, and Young Conservatives of Texas. Finally, someone who did not take money from freaking uh, Texans for lawsuit reform. 
Isaac's campaign focused on fighting federal overreach, securing the border, lowering property taxes, and supporting pro-family, pro-America policies. Carl Tepper. House District 84 Carl Tepper replaces State Representative John Afruyo of Lubbock, who did not run for re-election. Former chairman of the Lubbock County Republican Party, Tepper received the endorsements of multiple incumbent lawmakers, the Young Conservatives of Texas, and Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Tepper campaigned on border security, election integrity, gun rights, lowering property taxes, and protecting life. Stan Kitzman in House District 85. Kitzman is replacing State Sep uh, Representative Phil Stephenson of Wharton. A former Waller County Commissioner, Kitzman received the endorsements of multiple incumbent lawmakers, Texas Business uh, PAC, and Texans for Lawsuit Reform. Kitzman ran his campaign on fighting for Texans' First and Second Amendment rights, protecting medical freedom, and lowering taxes. In House District 93, Scatslin replaces, oh, this is Nate Scatslin. Sorry, I didn't even read the name. Nate Scatslin uh, replaces State Representative Matt Krause of Fort Worth, who ran for Tarrant County District Attorney. Uh, a former pastor and nonprofit leader fighting human trafficking, Scatslin received the endorsements of Texas Right to Life, Texas Values Actions, Texas Homeschool Coalition. Scratzlin prioritized pro-life and pro-family issues during his campaign, as well as border security and protecting communities from drug and human trafficking. See, Nate Skitzlin fights human trafficking and he gets no endorsement from uh, Texas lawsuit reform. Hmm, interesting. Mark Durazio, House District 122. Durazio replaces former liberal Republican state um, representative Lyle Larson of San Antonio. You see? You see that, guys, right there? You see that? Liberal Republican, otherwise known as a Democrat in Republicans' clothing. That's what I'm hearing about San Antonio is um, they run their, their Democrats as Republicans. That's what I'm hearing, guys. So this is uh, House District 122, and uh, this is Mark Durazio, which I am taking notes here, guys, because this is my neck of the woods, even though I'm not in his district. Um, a uh, former state Republican executive committee member, uh, Durazio, received endorsements from multiple incumbent lawmakers, Texas Right to Life, Young Conservatives of Texas, and Texas Values Actions. Thank you, Mr. Durazio, for not taking any money from that uh, that man, Dick Weekly, that wanted a freaking human, traffic, uh, human trafficking defense lawyer as an AG. I mean, that alone, I'd be like, excuse me, you know what? You know what? I'd be like, oh, your money? It doesn't matter. But you know what? Also, your endorsements do matter. And if you're endorsing someone against, you know, a very good attorney general with a very good standing record who's been involved in a lot of controversy that was created by his own former staff, okay, because they were scorned. Well, in that case, I don't want your money. You can keep it and you can go put it somewhere else, Mr. Weekly. Okay. All right. Charles Cunningham. Oh, wait, wait, wait. real quick, real quick. Durazio highlighted issues such as property taxes, border security, indoctrination in public schools, and election integrity during his campaign. Oh, I like the way this man sounds. Okay, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mark Durazio, Charles Cunningham. In House District 127, Cunningham replaces State Representative Dan Huberty of Humble, Texas, who chose not to run for re-election. Cunningham is a former member of both the Humble ISD Board of Trustees and the Humble City Council. He received the endorsement of several incumbent lawmakers, the Kingwood Tea Party, 
And uh, Democrats supporting Texans for lawsuit reform. Cunningham focused on improving infrastructure, securing the border, lowering property taxes, and public safety throughout his campaign. Mano Dayala, De Ayala, in House District 133, De Ayala replaces outgoing Republican caucus chairman Jim Murphy of Houston, who decided not to run for re-election. Murphy had a history of not advocating for his own political party's legislative priorities and consistently voting against other Republican colleagues on issues on his own party's platform. A lawyer, De Ayala, received the endorsements of the Texas Business PAC, Texas Homeschool Coalition, and Texans for lawsuit reform. De Ayala ran his campaign on issues such as border security, fighting violent crime, lowering property taxes, and supporting pro-family choices or policies, excuse me. Additionally, although the state uh, representative Brian Harrison of Waxahachie won a special election in 2021 to represent HD10, this will be his first regular legislative session in the Texas House. So that is... Uh, Well, I don't know how we went from De Ayala to uh, Brian Harrison of Waxahachie, <laughs> but uh, well, there you go. With the Republican majority in both legislative chambers and all statewide offices, now the question is whether these officials will hold the priorities of the grassroots Republicans um, to count. Legislative session begins January 10th, guys. Let's look at this one real quick. Just as a friendly reminder, guys, this is exactly what they need to be prioritizing all of all of our Republican lawmakers, right? Protecting our elections, right? Securing the, the border and protecting Texans, okay? Um, let's see, banning gender modification on children uh, to stop the sexualizing of Texas kids. Uh, banning Democrat party chairs. Okay, uh, now this is something that uh, they need to, they can vote on, obviously. This is something they can vote on. Um, currently, we have a rhino who is Speaker of the House, Ugh, kind of just like Wisconsin. They've got rhino Speaker Robin Voss. We've got rhino Speaker Dade Felon. Dade Phelan, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Dade Phelan, he's the one who assigns the chairmanships and the, um, and the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, uh, the chairmanships and the uh, sub-chairmanship, whoever comes beneath the chairman, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so he's the one who assigns, co-chairman, there we go, chairman and co-chairman, he's the one who assigns these, he's a rhino, he assigns Democrats to it, guys, and he, he probably puts them on the, the most important, important issues, you know? So as members of the Texas House, they will vote on who their speaker will be, right? Um, we need to get a hold of these individuals. We need to communicate to them that we do not want a yay vote or a yes vote for Dade Phelan. Okay. Now, unless you know who you want to be Speaker of the House, I would highly recommend Tony Tinderholt, who is also running. He's currently running. I don't believe there's anyone else running for it. I mean, I guess the, the way it works here is the, the, the House will vote on who their speaker is going to be, but, you know, they also have to uh, campaign for AS within the House. They have to run for it, you know, et cetera. I don't believe anyone else is running right now except for Tony Tinderholt. I guess that doesn't mean that you couldn't have a ride in if you uh, figure there's someone who is better for the job that you are aware of. 
Um, but either way, you know, we'll be talking more Tony Tinderholt in the coming week or two, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, they will be voting on their next House Speaker on January 10th, guys. So uh, I would encourage you all to uh, get a hold of your representatives, communicate that to your state, state, state representative, ladies and gentlemen, for whatever district you're in. Mine will not vote for him, but I'm going to tell him anyways. Okay, so. All right. Uh, some of the other priorities, just to uh, keep it fresh of mind, ab um, abolishing abortion in Texas and defending our gun rights and also parental rights and educational freedom. And that's that. Uh, that is that school choice, guys. School choice. Texas voters have made it clear that they believe parents should get the final say in decision making for their children. School choice is no different. It is the right of the parents to decide what they want their child children to be taught and where they want their children to be taught. Yeah, yeah. H-E-B, yeah, Charles, but he opposes that vehemently, ladies and gentlemen. He does not like school choice, okay? He wants he wants all of that government money, subsidy money to keep rolling into H-E-B grocery, right? All of those billions of dollars of freaking um, food stamps that go to people who are not drug tested that I used to see all the time doing all these scams and schemes and going home with New York strip steaks. All right. Um, okay. So I wanted to share this article with you guys as well. And I think we'll, we'll close up with that one. Well, actually, two more short stories. So we'll do like, yeah, 10 minutes over time. Not much more than that. Maybe 15 at the most. Okay. Uh, this is from uh, Texas Insider. I was just going to share this article with you guys to see that, like, even though the session doesn't begin until the 10th of January, it doesn't mean that our lawmakers can't start filing uh, their next rounds of legislation, their bills, you know, and stuff like that. Like um, we saw with um, Representative Dawson, not Dawson, Representative uh, Senator Betancourt and um, the uh, her name representative. I want to get her name now because I will feel terrible. Since they're doing it already, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, acknowledge that, ladies and gentlemen. I got so many tabs. And her name is has just left the building, ladies and gentlemen. She filed the uh, she filed um, a uh, companion bill to uh, Senator Betancourt's election bill that he just refiled on Tuesday, and uh, she filed a House companion bill. I want to give you her name because she sets a good example. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, I know we got Paxton on the screen right now, guys. Hold on, hold your horses. There we go. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. Just because I'm that kind of guy. Representative Swanson is her name. Okay. Valerie Swanson. Okay. So <laughs> just as Representative Swanson and Senator Bencourt, you know, they've already begun uh, filing uh, bills for the next legislative session. Of course, those, the ones that they filed were emergency election bills. They needed to be filed, guys. Because after all, the state legislation is the one that creates election law, right? Anyways, so we have uh, this Representative Jetton. He's filed a first uh, round of legislation for the 2023 uh, legislative session or the 88th Texas legislative session. Uh, if you want to um, 
get that uh, specific about it. Uh, it says uh, Representative J.C. Jetton of Richmond, Texas, filed his first round of legislation for the 88th legislative session. Jetton's le legislation focuses on empowering Texas families at, by keeping communities safe, ensuring all Texas children have access to a high quality education and cutting property taxes. Jetton is a representative for Fort Bend County, one of the largest and most diverse counties in Texas. Texas families want the government to do its job and then get out of the way. Representative Jetton said lawmakers should focus on legislation that empowers Texans to make the right choice for their families. As a husband, father, and small business owner, I understand the challenges facing Texas families, and I have begun filing legislation that will support Texas families by keeping our community safe, empowering parents in their children's education, supporting our teachers, improving our infrastructure, and reducing property taxes. Jetton's first filed bills include HB 279, legislation to combat human trafficking, HB 346, exempting teachers from paying sales tax on school supplies. HB 358, creating a study to determine the ideal school district size for improving student outcomes. HB 597 and HB 601, pro-consumer reforms in insurance. And HB 677, eliminating toll fees that school districts are paying for school buses. Jetton's office will continue to file legislation as the drafts become available. Upcoming bills will focus on education, empowering parents, transparency in budget, increasing funding for schools, and improving the quality of life and work for teachers. Jetton also has draft legislation in progress to further preclude defunding law enforcement and to combat human trafficking. Very, very cool. All right. Good job, Mr. Jetton. I apologize, Representative Jetton, uh, on getting that done. Okay, let's move on to another story. Um, we have seven new Texas United States congressional representatives. We'll talk about them next week, right? Um, I'm wanting to share this bit of information with you guys. I actually promised this to some audience members, I think, on Monday or Wednesday. Uh, so let's go ahead and tackle that now before we... Uh, close up today's episode of uh lone star state news thanks for being here again y'all appreciate you hanging out on a friday afternoon all right so uh governor abbott you know wheels finally decided to uh hit the road as it were he, he finally decided to get the tire the tire mark on the pavement pun intended right um, and uh, uh, declare an invasion. Okay, so we have this uh, little graphic here. I invoked the invasion clauses of the United States and Texas constitutions to fully authorize Texas to take unprecedented measures to defend our state against an invasion. And you know, everyone went, yay, Abbott, we're surprised you did this after after election day, right? I'm using that constitutional, he says, I'm using that constitutional authority and other authorization and executive orders to keep our state and country safe. And a lot of Texans praised this. A lot of uh, Americans praised this. A lot of them said it's about damn time, Abbott. But, uh, but you know, now we must ask the question if whether or not Abbott's invocation of the uh, invasion clauses is not just another political stunt, all right? And for those of you saying, oh, 
not Abbott, not a political stunt. Uh, let's take a look at this article from the Texas Scorecard, guys. Got to dig in, right? We got to dig in, okay? Until Governor Abbott removes illegal illegals back across the border. You hear that? Until Governor Abbott removes illegals back across the border and out of the country, this will continue to be another PR stunt. And Texas and the United States are worse off because of it. That's right. Because I, I will vouch for this and I believe that uh, Abbott is actually assisting these immigrants illegally, illegal as they are, to get further into the United States. Now, you need to send them back to the border, son. All right. On Tuesday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced his invocation of the invasion clauses of the United States and Texas constitutions oh, of the United States and Texas constitutions as the invasion on the Texas-Mexico border worsens. But he refuses to outright declare an invasion and return illegal border crossers to Mexico. Did you get that, guys? He refuses to declare outright an invasion and return illegal border crossers to Mexico. President selected Joe Biden's open border policies have incentivized illegal border crossings with more than 2.3 million illegal aliens crossing the southwest border this federal fiscal year. However, neither Abbott's letter to county judges nor his statement suggests that any illegal border crossers arrested by the National Guard or the Texas DPS will be returned to Mexico. The Center for Renewing America said, while this sounds good, Governor Abbott has not invoked the full authority of an invasion declaration, saying you're being invaded but not blocking the invaders from coming is a hollow shell. Until Governor Abbott removes illegals back across the border and out of the country, this will continue to be a public relations stunt. And Texas and the United States are worse off because of it. Wade Miller, executive director of the Center for Renewing America, called Abbott's latest move a giant head pat to his base, relabeling already failed policies. Abbott's budget director, Sarah Hicks, confirmed his latest statement is not a change in tactics. Texans have been sounding the alarm for over a year now regarding the devastation to property, livelihoods, and human life as Venezuela sends Texas uh, their criminals, and Texas spends billions on border security efforts that cannot stop the oncoming traffic. Thus, securing the border and protecting Texans is one of eight GOP priorities chosen by thousands of grassroots delegates for the upcoming 2023 legislative session as Abbott refuses to actually declare an invasion. So a, a very important perspective, I think, for all of us to have about Abbott's declaration or lack thereof of an invasion, guys. And I saw a lot of people celebrating this and I was like, ho, 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 you must not be from Texas. Uh, but, you know, I also did have a lot of people who thought that this was a victory, perhaps for like uh, the efforts that we had partaken ourselves in writing our commissioners to declare a border invasion in their county. It is not a victory until your county declares a border invasion, not Abbott, not the governor, no one at the state level, not even your state legislator or representative, even if they're for your district. OK, let's not get it twisted, my Texas friends and family. When we're talking about 
getting our county to declare an invasion. It is the county. It is not until your commissioners declare that invasion that you have you can declare a success. Got it, guys? So we have not gotten any level of success. Comal County hasn't declared it. Bear County hasn't declared it. You know, and, and uh, Ter Travis County hasn't declared it. Hayes County hasn't declared it. Uh, you know, um, Williamson County hasn't. Oh, I think Williamson County might have declared it. Anyways, but you get what I'm saying? I just went up and down the I-35 corridor right there, guys. And uh, none of these counties have declared it. So these are not, uh, uh, Abbott declaring this is not a win. Okay, it's not a win, and it's not until our counties actually declare it that we can, uh, at least for ourselves, say that's a win, because uh, that's our counties working to protect our own backyards, okay, just as it should be, just as it should be, okay? All right, guys, so there's some food for thought for you guys, uh, for those of you who are wondering about this whole thing with uh, Abbott and the border invasion. It's just more lip service, guys. It's more bamboozlement, ladies and gentlemen. It's more bamboozlement coming from a man I voted for because I wasn't about to have a Beto in the office. But guess what? That does not make Governor Abbott any less a rhino. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that is going to bring us to our final story for today. I love, 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 love to end a Friday on news like this. Good news. We don't get enough of it, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, this headline might sound weird to you guys. Four more Texas towns become sanctuary cities for the unborn. Now, you know, we have uh, shared the information about the sanctuary cities for the unborn here at Mr. CTV, at the C-Report, and at Lone Star State News since we've been on the air. Since before the heartbeat bill, since before Roe v. Wade was overturned, okay? Um, so someone might say, well, is this not obsolete? Why do we have Texas cities who are still declaring themselves sanctuaries for the unborn. So this is a wonderful way to uh, kind of answer those questions plus celebrate some more good news coming from the state of Texas. Um, as, as I said, we have four more towns have become sanctuary cities for the unborn. Now, this is another local county and municipal led effort. Okay. This is another way that we see Americans, Texans who are engaged in self-government and getting it government and self-governance, excuse me, and getting it done at the local level. Right. And this is the way you do it. Ladies and gentlemen, you do it at the local level and it spreads. Okay. Now, maybe we don't have any sanctuary counties for the unborn, but this is another great way to illustrate how we level up, right? You take care of your own backyard, you take care of your own city, county can't impede. City ordinances say, sorry, county, you can't come in. You know, you take care of your backyard, you take care of your city, you take care of your county. State cannot come in and impede. County says, sorry, county, we have these county laws and rules. Sorry, I mean, sorry, state, you can't come in, you can't overstep, right? Uh, that would be like, say, Governor Abbott showed himself to be the rhino who he really, really was and says, like, you are mandated to get a shot. And the county would say, sorry, we don't do that. Can't overstep these boundaries. Right. OK, so then you got your state level and then your state level protects you from the federal overreach. Sorry, illegitimate Joe. Sorry, illegitimate Joe, your your, your little vaccines aren't going to come down here and, and forcefully uh, prick us. Right. That kind of a deal, guys. So. Um, 
here we have examples of Texas municipalities, townships, uh, you know, cities, uh, et cetera, villages, towns, et cetera, who are um, getting together and they are voting at that level to declare that city or that area a sanctuary city for the unborn. Again, it might seem like an obsolete thing to do in an era where Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But I mean, guys, you know that the fight over um, the right to protect the unborn will never be done. You know, it will never be done as long as these uh, bloodthirsty uh, uh, baby eating people exist, right? Or <laughs> are around. Anyways, last story for today. So this this shines a little bit of light on the entire Roe v. Wade, the entire Heartbeat Act, and why people, even after Roe v. Wade has been overturned, even after the Heartbeat Act became the law of the land in Texas, are still working to declare sanctuary cities for the unborn in this state and beyond. Okay, so here's the story. All right. And uh, this is from uh, TexasRightToLife.com. goes this way. Four more Texas towns become sanctuary cities for the unborn. On election day, San Angelo, population 103,000. Athens, population 12,800. Abilene, population 124,700. And Plainview, population 19,800. Guys, those are, those are like, these are like, the major of the smaller cities or the smaller of the major cities. When we're talking like San Angelo, Abilene, like those are like midsize, you know, in other words, they make it on the map. Okay. A lot of the other cities that we've covered in, on, in this story about the unborn um, sanctuary cities for the unborn are, are towns you've never heard of. They're like, you, you blink your eyes and you will pat, you will miss the town, right? Like passing through that small. When we start talking about places like San Angelo and Abilene and even Plainview, I mean, we're talking about cities, uh, towns that actually make the map, you know, on Texas. OK, uh, it says here, citizens from each of these cities first presented the measure to their city councils, asking their local elected officials to pass the ordinance on behalf of their constituents convictions to protect their town from the abortion industry, industry. It's the abortion industrial complex, guys. It's an industry. Sad, isn't it? All four city councils rejected their constituents' petitions, but the local advocates for life were not dissuaded. Citizen leaders of each community went through the tedious process of having the ordinance placed on the citywide ballot, and on election day, each of these communities accomplished what their city council refused. They passed the Sanctuary City for the Unborn Ordinance. In doing so, they immediately added another layer of protection, preventing the abortion industry from preying on their communities. Since 2019, over 40 Texas cities have passed enforceable local ordinances. Now, Texas is up to 46 cities with the policy in effect. Since the United States Supreme Court recent reversal of Roe v. Wade, Texas pre-Roe statutes regained effect, protecting all pre-born babies from the moment of fertilization. In addition to state law, these local policies further clarify that elective abortion is illegal in the city's jurisdiction and also prevent abortion businesses from moving into the community, adding another layer of enforcement for holding the 
the abortion industry accountable, protecting these cities from the abortion industry, and declaring that these cities deeply value innocent human life. Similar to the Texas Heartbeat Act, the Sanctuary City for the Unborn Ordinances use civil enforcement to allow any private citizen to bring a lawsuit against someone who commits aids or abets an, ele an elective abortion within city limits. As with all Texas pro-life laws, the Sanctuary City for the Unborn Ordinances do not allow for the pregnant mother who seeks or obtains an elective abortion to be sued. Did you hear that, guys? So for all of you people out there who have this uh, misunderstanding, you can't sue the mother, okay? You only can sue those who aid, abet, or commit the elective abortion. Now, it says, instead, it directly penalizes the abortion industry, those who commit and profit off the intentional killing of pre-born children. And that is what they are. They're pre-born children. They're not just like a cancer that's growing inside your womb. You know, like all other Texas pro-life laws, the only exception is for the life of the mother, right? That's the only exception for all, like all other Texas pro So people who say, oh, they don't even protect the mother in Texas. Wrong, 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 wrong. The only exception is for the life of the mother. That's the exception to the rule in Texas. The Sanctuary City for the Unborn Ordinances have demonstrated themselves to be effective at saving lives and strong enough to withstand legal scrutiny. Some weak Republicans have suggested that Texas has done too much to protect preborn children, but Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry are fighting harder than ever to resume the killing of babies in Texas. We celebrate these victories and applaud the men and women in these Texas towns who worked diligently to make their communities sanctuary cities for the unborn. But the, but the fight for life is not over. Texas Right to Life is already preparing for the 2023 legislative session. Stay up to date on important pro-life issues happening in the Texas Capitol and across the state of Texas by texting T-X-L-E-G-E-240237. -E -E that is T-X-L-E-G-E-240237. -E -E and uh, I would like to state in uh, light of that statement that I am not affiliated or associated with uh, Texas Right to Life other than the fact that um, I support our right to life and protecting preborn children, both in the womb and out of the womb. No, just kidding. You can't have a preborn baby out of the womb. Hello. <laughs> but Lord knows the Democrats, the progressives, and those freaking bloody satanic Marxists. I never made them. I never met a Marxist that wasn't like some kind of weird dark pagan. Anyways, yeah, that wouldn't stop them from wanting to kill the babies in the womb or out, preborn or not. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Lone Star State News. I hope you guys had a good one. I know I did. And uh, it was definitely fun hanging out with you guys on this Friday afternoon. Uh, we'll be back this evening with an episode of The Sea Report. That's our America First News and Election Integrity Headlines show. Uh, so make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, let me see here. We'll see what we got coming up this weekend. We'll see what happens this weekend. <laughs> But uh, nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure 
Um, oh, before I forget, um, I, and I do want to add this as well. This is a little bit of housekeeping for those of you who uh, want to keep up with the show. Um, if you would like to catch Lone Star State News on podcast, uh, we do have a podcast version now dedicated to the show. Uh, that is at anchor.fm slash Lone Star State News. Let me go ahead and make sure I'm not giving you guys the wrong address. Uh, that is anchor, mm-hmm, anchor.fm slash Lone Star State News. Let's pull her up. Let's get her on the screen. And here we go. All right, guys, there she is. Lone Star State News. Uh, let's see, it's anchor.fm forward slash Lone Star State News, all one word. And uh, yeah, I know this is this is episode 78. I know we're only on 75 here. I got to the, the fact of the matter is I need to get a new external hard drive. I'm all out of space. I can no longer download anything at home. So uh, <laughs> what what a predicament to be in, guys. I have to. Uh, yeah, I can't I cannot download anything. So I cannot upload anything to these. Uh, yeah, same thing is happening at the C report, guys. I can't upload anything there because I can't download because I have no more space anyways. OK, you know. Two, three, four, five, six-hour episodes take up a lot of data space, and uh, I need a new external hard drive. I don't have one, so well, we'll see when we get that. Hopefully, it's not too long from now. But anyways, Lone Star State News, go ahead and subscribe, um, and then also uh, if you uh, listen on, we're also available on Go Ogle Podcasts, on Pocket Casts, on Radio Public, uh, Spotify, and also by RSS. Um, the, I'm going to show you guys the Spotify one. So if you're on Spotify and I'm not pushing Spotify, I'm not associated with Spotify, but you know, they do, they do broadcast my shows. Um, you actually get the video version and the podcast version at Spotify. So it's kind of cool. You know, um, uh, if you're a, uh, if you're a visual person, but you know, I'm an audio and auditory kind of person myself. I much prefer hearing it than seeing it because <laughs> I need to be told not shown. Okay. Anyways. So <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's it. Um, uh, stop by the creport.com so you, get, get, you can get more information on the work I do. Uh, eventually, we'll get a lonestarstatenews.com or something to that effect up and running. Or if not, we'll get um, a dedicated page to it over at the cereport.com. Um, also, uh, if you'd like to support this broadcast and any of the other uh, shows that I do here at Mr. CTV, um, you can always uh, do so by uh, clicking on the support page over at thecreport.com. Uh, you can also stop into uh, the shop online Mr. CTV uh, online store, uh, which is also accessible from thecreport.com. Everything is over at thecreport.com, ladies and gentlemen. So why don't you just get your pretty little heinies on over there, check it out, uh, drop a line, say hello. Otherwise, we will see you on Lone Star State News on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Till then, you guys have a fabulous weekend and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. This is Mr. C signing out for Lone Star State News. Ta-ta. Do you know how much government money H-E-B groceries would lose if we started drug testing people who get food stamps? That's how they did us, Texas. That's how they did us. They passed an election in Texas.
any of you guys think that Truth Vote was set up by the FBI? Busting down the walls of not just the political rhinos, but... I like Moonlight as someone who knows a thing or two every now and then. Want to vote on election day? Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're gonna die on this hill. We're gonna be gay and we're gonna rape our children no matter what you say, because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pill.net.